We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Tuesday, Tuesday, September 20th. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking a little bit about math today, okay? Today's going to be the, tu- the Tuesday, what, what, what's with the T? The the technical Tuesday? Technical? I don't know. Te- the Teaching Tuesday? Teaching Tuesday. It's Teaching Tuesday. Maybe. I don't know. We have to come up with some type of name for Tuesdays, I guess, while uh, while NFL is on. But uh, every day, every morning is always a good day to give me the thummy thumbs. It's thummy thumb Tuesday. It's th- that more like Thursday. Thursday should be thummy thumb. Thummy thumb Thursday. Tuesday, I still appreciate the thummy thumbs. So hit that like button. It helps us out. Free content here, right? We got tons of stuff on the channel, NFL content as always throughout the course of the week. Uh, sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. You get our projections, you get our ownership, you get all of our content. I have a premium show, I have a Discord. I've been having conversations the past couple of days in the Discord, answering questions, talking about strategy, about math, about everything. So join us here at Roto Grinders. Uh, click on that link in the description, get $10 off your first month. Good morning, Wataz. Defix, Suki Singh, Matt Mears, Grant Brown, Bart B. Good morning. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about math today. Okay. Like l- last night on Price Picks, I was I was shocked on Price Picks. Okay. So I dabble. I've I have i have been dabbling on Price Picks, Underdog, those types of sites. Uh, not so much in the past three weeks, because obviously, uh, you know, we're working hard on releasing the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports course and tools. So working, I wasn't even playing DFS. So just working on that. And then NFL kind of starts up and then like MLB is kind of shoved to the side a bit. 
And uh, one of the keys on, on beating these sites is is getting the numbers early. And uh, if if you don't be, if you can't stay up until one in the morning when the board comes out on like prize picks like here, like you're gonna miss numbers. Like if you take a look, oh, you get up in the morning, right? Take take a look at this. I mean, like and I track all of this because I, I write everything down. Like you'd get up and you go, okay, what what's what's a what's a, what's a good pick on prize picks? And it's like I have a lot of Pablo Lopez, right? I have a lot of I have a lot of this, but not at six and a half strikeouts. I have it at five and a half strikeouts. I have the over five and a half. You couldn't, you you can't get that anymore. You had to be up. Christian Javier, I have under seven Ks. It's right, it's at six. Under six ain't, ain't good. Right? So don't, don't, don't pick, don't pick this. Don't, 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 don't do don't do under six, right? Under six is no good. Under seven is great. Right? So going through all of these, it's like when the board came up, it's like I just compared this. I used the back projections, Kadaric Cardi's baseball projections, which we offer here at Royal Grinders. And it has statistical projections for K's for, for everything. So it's just like, okay, let's see when the board comes up, which ones have the biggest discrepancies. And that's what we're going to talk about discrepancies today. But in general, like if you're not going to get the best number, if you're not going to get a good number, then you, then it doesn't matter. There's no point in asking me what do I have, right? Cause I have Pablo Lopez, but at, I have it at five and a half over. I have uh, Javier at seven under, I have uh, Nestor Cortez at over five, not five and a half. Uh, I have Carlos Carrasco. Wow. I have Carrasco under six. It's now down to four and a half. That's what great, great value there. Uh, Patrick Sandoval, I have it over. Uh, no, I have his points. I don't have his strikeouts. Uh, who else do I have? Yes, the Clevenger number's still up. Three and a half. I got that over. So maybe that's, that may not be that great. If you don't see it move dramatically, that's typically a sign that maybe maybe you've overestimated something. You should want to see your picks move, right? If they move by close, that means you, over the long run you, you, you're winning. Okay, that's in that, un, unmutable fact. Okay, we've got a pitching score. Like, yeah, I have a pitching score. Any any, I have striplings under, but I have under twenty eight and a half. Uh now the Sandoval number's still up. I have this over. Carlos Carrasco, I have way under. I have 36 and a half under. Look, it's already down to 31. Five points. Yeah, this is like free money. I mean, you just have to get it when the board comes up. Like it's 11 o'clock in the morning and I'm looking going, I don't know if there's anything of unva- value anymore. So if you're not willing to, to be there where the board is up and, and hammer them, like you, you're just... If people ask me like about prize picks and underdog, like an hour before, like, oh, it's six o'clock at night. Like there's nothing. Anything that was worthwhile has already moved. Right. And if it hasn't moved by then, then how great, how great could it be? Right. Like I have like the Clat Clevenger three and a half strikeouts. Like uh, I think the bat has him at, at, at five, like a little over five, five point one or something. Like if this doesn't move to four, by close, like then I don't I don't know how great I don't know how great that is. I'm not gonna devote that much money to clever. I'm not gonna just start hammering it because like, oh it hasn't moved, so I might as well just keep on hammering it. No. It should be a sign that the money that you're getting market resistance. Lopez, I just kept on doing I was surprised Lopez still stood there. Went, when I went to sleep last night, like it was like an hour later, and the number didn't move from five and a half. Like the bat had him in eight strikeouts. So I just kept on building two pick powers with Lopez over and over again. 
expecting it to move at some point and in an hour it still didn't move so i'm like God, maybe i should stop right if it hasn't moved it's 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 like two and a half strikeouts off compared to the bat uh so i don't know but then when i woke up in the morning and i saw six and a half i'm like okay, okay. yeah thank you very much give me give me okay good i made, made made a good one doesn't matter what happened remember it doesn't even matter what happens if you could get closing line value on every on everything uh for for your for your bets like you win in the long run it's just the just the way it is. The closing line is the most efficient line you, you're gonna see, uh, even on props. Uh, so if you can beat the closing line on on everything, on as many many things you can, it's 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 EV EV central. Uh, but the discrepancy is what I really want to talk about. Okay, so that's why I said it's gonna be a math lesson. And this applies to DFS. This applies to betting. This applies to prop betting. This applies to anything. Okay, like that's why you know get the theory of daily fantasy sports. The original course, the Fundamentals Masterclass, which is 15 hours, has a lot a lot of the math stuff, but not like formulas. You're not going to get confused. Oh, my eyes glaze over. Because just understand the concepts. Don't care about the formulas. Ballpark it. If you, most of the stuff that you'll be doing, you could ballpark and be profitable. Okay? So at least understand the concepts. And then obviously in the Advanced Players course, I talk a little bit more about distributions in here. So go to theoryofdfs.com and to get that. And also the advanced players course comes with a, a bunch of custom Excel tools that uh, you could build, you know, use lineups, analyze lineups, and build much higher plus EV lineups uh, using those tools alongside uh, an optimizer like lineup, like and projections. You need projections and ownership. So that's what you get at Roto Grinders. Uh, but here, like I had someone ask, because we have, but we have a Discord and there's a channel in our Discord called Chief's Prop Shop. Chief Will Will Priester, he he runs that channel. And that channel is like a free channel. I don't know why it's a free channel, but it's a free channel. So as long as you have a Roto-Grinders account, you don't even have to be a premium subscriber. Just as long as you have you, you have a, a just go to rotogrinders.com and just sign up. So just so you have an account, uh you could get into the Discord and connect your account there. Uh and you could hang out in the shop and chief's prop shot all, all you want. And sometimes I hang out there and uh, and sometimes I ask people with math questions and prop betting, right? I've, I could do that in the Blunders Game Theory channel also. But they were asking me, it's like, how far off do you need to be where a pick or a bet is worth betting? Okay. Uh, the, I don't know how I'm going to. How, how I could structure this, but on remember on sites like Prize Picks and Underdog, you're forced to make at least two pick parlays, and they have fixed odds. Okay, I've done I've gone through this before. You can go back in August. I did plenty of shows on this. That basically a bet needs at least a fifty-eight a prop here has. It needs to have at least a 58.5% win probability, implied win probability, for it to be a break-even. That's the break-even point, okay? So if, like, if something's off by this much, like, that, is that enough to make it 58.5%? Only because that's minus 137, if you want to put it in American odds. Because when you put two things together, right, if I put do and I go more, more, I'm getting paid, uh, my payout is three to one, two to one, winnings right in order for that parlay to be worthwhile if you went to just a normal sports book and tried to parlay these two together 
Like they would, they would pay you the odds on both of them and the VIG obviously combined. So like 30 bucks for these two bets at their current prices may pay out actually like, uh, I don't know, 120 or something like that. Does it pay out 90 bucks? No, because five strikeouts and six and a half strikeouts are both like minus 115s. And what's minus 115? That's like, you know, 53%. So you need to find, even on sites like Price Picks and Underdog, it can't just be off. Like, for instance, if I go to, like, I'll, I'll even bring it up. Uh, where's where's the bet? Roto Grinders. If I go to Roto Grinders, so I go to the bat, and you can do this for football, and we'll talk about football also. So let's go to the bat. Let's go. Let's go to the just the K's. I'll go to the standard projections. Right. This is what I do at like one in the morning when I'm when I'm going to go on Prize Picks or Underdog. Right. Pablo Lopez eight point five seven. They they put they hung a five and a half. Yeah. Good. Good for good for them. Okay. So you have here. It's like okay. Uh so, for instance, like Mike Clevenger, you can see here K is 5.13. It hasn't moved. Like that one and a half, 1. 1.6, it's pretty good. So now you go, to, let, let's 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 pick out one. I, I just want to, to make an example of like, uh, let's say Brian Bayo. What, what, what is his prop at? Okay, 4.64. Okay, so in the bat, Bayo's mean number of strikeouts is 4.64. Okay, price picks has a five right here. So you'd be naturally inclined to, well, the bat says 4.64, so I'm going to go less. But that does not make this a plus EV. That does not make this plus EV at all. Because where is 4.64 on Brian Balos or whatever, however you pronounce his name, his distribution? 4.64, it has to be off by 8.5%. Right, so eight and a half per eight eight point five by a percentile, okay, by a percentile, not a percent, but a percentile. So it has to be where where does this number, you know, four point six four, is, if we go by the bat, is his mean like right in the middle, fiftieth percentile, four point six four. So where's five on it? If five is past the fifty eighth percentile. Then you just then you'd hit the under. Then you go less. Okay, that's valuable, right? Because we're forced into minus one thirty sevens. We have to find minus one thirty sevens or better. Is five is under five good? Should be priced at minus one thirty seven. It would if it could be priced at minus one thirty seven if five is exactly on the fifty eighth percentile, fifty eight and a half percentile, and that would be break even. It wouldn't matter what you did. Okay, so where is five on it? How much is the half a strikeout worth it? which is not even a half a strikeout. That's what you have to determine. Like if you were just prop betting, like you didn't, weren't forced into fixed parlays, then you, like, Brian Bayo under five and a half could be plus 110, right? And then you have to convert that. Plus 110 is like 49%, right? And he's going, where is that on his distribution? Now, because on prize picks and underdog, we're looking for minus 137s, we need a significant enough gap. And it's significant enough that I don't even know if you need to actually compute it. 
because it should be so significant that it would be obvious. So like a half, like 0.4 strikeouts isn't worth like that, that 58th percentile or 42nd percentile if you're going in the other direction. So what, what I'm doing looking for is like, okay, my Clevenger here is three and a half. We take a look at his strikeout. His mean is 5.13. So it's over a half, one and a half strikeouts off. Well, a half a strikeout at that level is worth, is probably worth 20 cents at least, right? Half a strikeout. So now that you're talking about like 60 cents. So once you're at 60 cents, you're way past the 50, 58.5 percentage, you know, uh, percentile, right? So it's like, you should be hitting the over here. Assuming the projections are right, right? Assuming the pitch count is right, right? So this, but if Clevenger was at four, for instance, he still still probably, that one strikeout, he still probably still would be plus EV, right? That would still be worth it. It was at four and a half, you just, you'd stop, right? Even though the number here says 5.1, whatever it was, if it was four and a half, it may be past the VIG on a sportsbook. If the sportsbook hangs a line, let's say they hung a four and a half at minus 110. That may still have a little bit of value. If you believe in the, if you obviously trust the projection model, that may have a little bit of value because you still have to play, pay the 10 cents VIG. So that's still like 52.8, like right there, right? Where is, where is uh, four and a half on the other end of the spectrum? Does it hit that mark? Maybe, maybe it does. Maybe there's slight value. But since our prize picks an underdog, we're looking for vast discrepancies. Like I could easily see that three and a half to five is is worth is more than minus one thirty seven, right? Same thing for Pablo Lopez. When that number came out at five and a half, and the bat had him at eight and a half, or had him at eight point two two actually yesterday, uh, three strikeouts. I mean, if if each strikeout is worth maybe around twenty cents, like dude. We're talking about, I mean, it's three strikeouts off. We're talking about like a dollar twenty off. I mean, it's like it's absurd. So it's like for those big discrepancies, you could see. But if you like, if you're going through, we had uh, there was someone. Joe, I wasn't there for it, but people were joking around yesterday that someone did Johnny Munt's prize picks. Like in the in the the blitz, he was like thirteen yards, and the prize pick was like ten and a half. He's like, I gotta ha- hammer the over. It's like. Those three and a half yards aren't worth, they aren't worth, they aren't going to get you to minus 137. Sorry to tell you that the, the, the three yards ain't worth it, right? But uh, they did have uh, Traylon Burks at 28 and a half, and the Blitz had him at like 44 yards. And I think earlier they probably had him at 26 and a half. I have no idea. But like that amount of yardage, I mean, it's off by like, it's off by like 16 yards on a prop that is only like 28.5. So it's like, how much is that worth? It's worth way more than 50. It's worth way more than minus 137. So I hit it. Josh Allen pass attempts in the blitz, 38 and a half. Price picks had it at 32 and a half. Underdog had it at 30, at 32 and a half. And I just hit the over. I paired them together with Burks. It's like, there you go. Now, were there any, there were tons of other picks and props on yesterday's games. None of them that I saw hit hit any level past that 58.5 percentile. 
or at least that, that I would be confident in. So how much is a yard worth? Like you can't treat all the stats the same. One strikeout is worth way more than one pitching out, right? If you're going to do the, here's the pitching outs, right? Let's go through the pitching out. I mean, we could just go through. Let's take a look at, like, let's take a look at Clevenger. Uh, these are, okay, we'll, we'll look at that in a second. So if I go through and I go like pitching outs, so where 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 we get this? Uh, outs, okay? I'm going to go to Clevenger. Clevenger, Clevenger, pitching outs, 18.8, okay? Okay, he's at 16 and a half. Is that worth the over? Well, it's two pitching outs off, right? It's essentially two pitching outs off. But how much is a pitching out worth compared to a strikeout? Imagine the difference between Clevenger being three and a half strikeouts and five and a, and it's projected for five and a half. The strikeouts are worth way more than the pitching outs. So just a factor of two pitching outs, will that bring you to that 58.5 percentile? This would be close, okay, based on how the distribution of pitching outs for pitchers are, okay? So it has to do with the statistic and what this distribution looks like for even just an average player, okay? And that's why not all distributions are equal. Most people think in terms of a normal distribution, but most things aren't normal. They may be close to normal. Some are closer than others. But like pitching outs are are nor are normally distributed, and they're all they also have the, I, probably the, it's probably more of a T distribution. Like this bump goes up way high, right? You don't get many. Like it's much more narrower than this. So, for instance, if we were to say that that eighteen and a half pitching outs is over here, seventeen and a half, seventeen and and nineteen are probably close. 17 is probably very close to the 18. 19 could probably be farther away, further down. 20 is further down because how many pitches is he going to go? How how often does he throw eight innings? So that, that graph is going to start coming down really narrow, really, really fast. And then in the beginning, you're barely going to see anything. What's the difference between one out? Does he go one out or two out? Like, how often does Mike Clevenger only get one out? Not often he gets it. And if he gets one out, he most likely gets two outs, right? Like, on that end of the spectrum, either he's getting blown up and he comes out of the game at some point, zero outs in, one out, two out, three out, four out, five out. Like, you're going to see very, very few. It's going to be very flat. Then once we start getting to, like, let's say 12 outs, right, which is four innings. Then it starts coming up, right? Probably starts coming up on two and three a little, but then on four, it starts coming up more, much more dramatically, right? Way, starts shooting up. Four, four, uh, four innings, 4.1 innings, 4.2 innings, five innings, right? Then, then we start saying, ah, here's where the bulk of it is. So a pitching out, it's very na- it's very flat and then very it's a nice big big bump up there. So like the difference between 16 and a half, 17 and a half and 18 
and 16 and a half and 17 and a half is no let's say let's say the let's say the bat had a 17 and a half would you just go like this over no because like that's the difference between that is is it probably doesn't even cover the vig if you were to bet it on the sports book if it was a minus 110 and you had it at 17 and a half and it was posted at 16 and a half it wasn't it would probably wouldn't even be worth betting even though it's off by one pitching out but if this was a strikeout prop you'd be hammering it right because the difference of one strikeout starts getting much further away from the player's distribution because think of, think about strikeouts let's let's take a picture like that's decent enough corbin burns okay i'm not even going to say jacob de Zero Ks. What, what's his distribution? What is it? What does his graph look like for zero? How often does he throw zero strikeouts? Very few of the time. One strikeout. Very few of the time. Two strikeouts. Starts going up a little, right? Three strikeouts. Now it's starting to curve. Three strikeouts, it's starting to turn. Four strikeouts, it's turning more. Five strikeouts, it's turning a lot up. It's a little shooting up. Six, it's shooting way up. Right at six at and around six and a half and seven. Now it starts coming around the curve, right? And then at eight, it starts coming. Now it's now it's dipping, dipping. Nine, it starts dipping even further. Ten, it starts dipping even further. And then at the bottom end, that's very flat. You'll get like 12, 13, 14, 15, right? Not many 15s, right? Probably as many 15s as there are zeros. Right, so this normal, it's a, it's more normal of a distribution, but like it's very narrow, it's much more narrow in the middle. And the narrower in the middle, when you get very close to that top, like the difference of a half a strikeout is like not, is, is not that dramatic. But let's say like the strikeout prop line was one strikeout off. Like, because these, all the, this distribution is so narrow once you get one strikeout off, you're going way, you're going way up. You're going, you're going to the 65th percentile or 35th percentile within one strikeout of his narrow distribution. So if it was off, it you you could have a strikeout prop that's off by a half a strikeout and have it not be worth it on prize picks. But if it's off by one strikeout, then it's worth it. Right? Depending on the distribution and it depending on the stat that it is. So we take a look at other stats. Like, for instance, uh, pitcher fantasy score. Fantasy points are primarily normally distributive. So, like, if we had, for instance, let's go to my let's go to Mike Clevenger. Oh, they, they, they don't even list him. Uh, let's go to uh, Nick Lodolo. 34 and a half. So I'm going to go to the fan, yeah, it's FanDuel scoring. Lodolo, 32.2. That's what the bat has as a mean projection. Well, he's at 34 and a half. That doesn't mean you hit the less. Like what is, you need to get to the 42nd or 58th percentile. What does two points represent? What's the difference in his distribution or any average pitcher's distribution? If this was 34 up here, where does 32 lie? Is it far away enough? You can see where my mouse is. That it's worth playing on prize picks. Or it's even worth playing if this was a minus 110. Maybe it maybe the under is worth playing at a minus 110. Maybe, maybe. 
I don't even know if the 10 cents is worth it, right? So you need a bigger discrepancy than this, right? So if you, if the difference is in the bat, right, 32 and a half versus 34 and a half, it's probably a pass on prize picks. That, and that's two fantasy points. So basically, we're looking for ones that are way off. That like would be so obvious that why not, right? You go Brian Bayo, 23 and a half. We look on here, and Bayo is at 24 and a half. Not going to hit that minus 137 based on the distribution of fantasy points. That is much more normally distributed, right? And it's also probably a much flatter up here. It's probably much... Probably as a, it's not as narrow. It doesn't just shoot up narrowly, right? Because it's fantasy points, not just strikeouts. There are appearances that oh, he has a bunch of innings and and uh, no earned runs, but only have three strikeouts. So that still gets you in this in this big sixty eight percentage one standard de- deviation kind of chunk here. So in looking through these, like like here's Kyle Gibson. I I, I have his over twenty one and a half. So Kyle Gibson, and the bat always likes Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson, 28.62 in the bat. 28.62. Okay, seven fantasy points off. That that seems like enough, right? For prize picks, right? Even more. Now, the fact that it didn't move means that the market may be not as high on Gibson as the bat is. And the bat is typically high on Gibson. Do you trust the bat? Do you trust the public? I mean, you have to weigh the, them the both. All I know is that, you know, his K is 1K off on prize picks. And his fantasy points are, are, are eight or seven points off. So I, I put them in last night, put it in last night, one in the morning, whatever. I put that in. With a lot of Pablo Lopez, right, and uh, Carlos Carrasco unders, uh, but the fact that it has not moved, and it's eleven thirty in the morning now, means that the bat may be on an island. So, does that mean? And I'm just talking about from a logistical standpoint of how you think about sports betting, because some people they're like, I trust my model completely, and it hasn't moved, and I'm just gonna I'm piling on. They'd wake up in the morning going, I can't believe the Gibson ones haven't moved. Let me put another $500 down. I don't do that. Because there's a thing called market resistance. Like you can't automatically go in thinking you're smarter than everyone else. Because other people are also making picks, making prop bets, right? You could go to, we go to scores and odds, right? We could go to scores and odds. And let's say I go to MLB props let me go to gibson strikeout prop and what it looked like on on uh, on u.s books i don't necessarily look at u.s books for this but for the sake of this stream we're going to look at u.s books uh so we go to kyle gibson we have an over three and a half at minus 149 we have under four and a half at minus 138 right so basically four you know somewhere around four is the kind of more of the market consensus in the prop market currently, which is not that liquid of a market. Okay. So these aren't necessarily the most inefficient, most efficient lines anyway, but like the market in the prop market is nowhere near five. So 
I'm much less likely to put as much money on it. Even though I'm using the bet projections, right? Pablo Lopez, for instance, eight and a half. Like, what does he look like? Let's go up to, where, where's Lopez? Six and a half. Pretty much, yeah, six and a half. We look at the synthetic hold of 14 cents, right? You got six and a half. Now, if you trust the bat completely, you'd, you'd be hammering over six and a half at minus 120, right? But there's market resistance. I mean, just like, like, dude, just don't keep on going. I mean, at some point, maybe, think in terms of putting the risk that maybe you're, you may be off. Your origination may be off to some degree. Now, if they move in your favor, that's great. And if you got them beforehand, that's great also. But it, what the market is showing me is that my Gibson overs, like I'm getting market resistance. So it's not the matter of, I know better than everyone else. Let me start piling in more money on it. The other ones I knew I did well because they moved. I got got it in early, right? And the further away that, that is, like that Pablo Lopez line was was off by so much compared to the bat that I invested more money. Carrasco, I met like that. That was my two biggest, the unders on Carrasco and the overs on Lopez. And I put a whole bunch of two picks. I have a whole bunch of stuff in, combinations of twos. And then once everything moved, I'm like, okay, now the value's gone. And I'm glad I put all that money down on those. Right. But I also put a decent chunk down on the, the, the Gibson ones. But I didn't go as whole hog because an hour later they haven't even moved. And then in the morning they haven't moved either. So I'm, so if I find other stuff that's inefficient, because they'll be putting up other stats, right? Maybe there's a walks or a hits or something up. Am I going to be like, well, I got to pair that with Gibson for a lot of money because it hasn't moved? No, it hasn't moved. I mean, I'll still, yeah, I'll still make picks with him. But I'm not, I'm not going to say, oh, God, you got to go on and, and start hammering Gibson overs. According to the bat, yes. That there's value there if you trust the bat. Because a lot of it is gone because it's moved already. But there's a, there's a, there's a balance. So if you're, just try, if you're trying to originate by using, you know, a projection model. I mean, you can't just automatically think. Like, I, I just trust that. You could. You could. You could just say, I trust it and whatever. I don't mind putting a thousand bucks on it. Over the long run, you're probably going to be out ahead. But there's some weight in mattering of like, there's other smart people out there. And the fact that it hasn't moved means that not enough liquidity has come in on the side that you're that you're on. You don't want it to move. Not in your worst case scenario, it moves against you. That that means you know you screwed up. Right? Imagine, imagine I, I did Pablo Lopez five and a half over and I had slammed that. And then I wake up in the morning and it's five. Now it's moved against you. Now, 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 and then you start getting a sick feeling in your stomach, right? But what is the discrepancy that you need when you're just betting props, just props, and you're just betting on FanDuel, DraftKings, points bet, wherever, right? Bet MGM. All you have to do is beat the VIG, right? As long as you get the right number at the right price, the discrepancy of a half a strikeout maybe still worthwhile to play. You get a half a strikeout plus 100, plus 110, or something that may be worthwhile. I mean, you may have a, you know, 1%, 2% edge on or something. And those things add up over time. But on prize picks and underdog, you need like, you need, you need 30, you need 37 cents, right? You need, you need, you need a substantial amount to make it worthwhile. And the, the best part about prize picks and underdog is that 
they tend to hang bad lines, right? And then they get shaped and they get shaped much more. And then once the next day shows up, you know, by, by the afternoon, most of these numbers, you know, the strikeout numbers will kind of match what the, what the strikeout props are here, right? Patrick Sandoval, five and a half. But I think last night you could, you could have gotten him at five. Let look at Nestor Cortez. Nestor Cortez is at like five and a half right now. But he was five last night on, on prize picks. An underdog typically doesn't post their strikeout props and all that type of stuff until the morning. And a lot of times they match all of these. But these aren't liquid markets. So by the afternoon, maybe a lot of these lines do move by a half a strikeout or two or three pitching outs. I mean, I've seen underdog put up 20 and a halfs where the, the books had it at 17 and a half. And I just started going under, 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 under. It's like, and then then, then by the end of the day, the, it's up to 18 and a half, right? Right, it was 17 and now it's 18 and a half minus, over 18 and a half minus 135. It's like, okay, the under 20 and a half at the time was seemed pretty good. And now it's good, but not as great as it was before. There's the worthwhileness of, of pitching outs. As sports projections in uh, chat, kind of weird. I was in the middle of bringing up stuff like the distributions, right? The Poisson distribution typically is best and simplest option to price most of these props given a mean projection. Can just plug mean into calculate to calculate probability. Yes. So I was going to go through that. I always talk about normal distributions. Multimodal or bimodal distributions, the two humps. But there's also, I, I even, I was searching for it before. Poisson distribution, right? Where the mean, it, it's not, it, these, these aren't like equal. These are, or what, what I would sometimes refer to as skewed distributions, right? So you see like the Poisson distribution, or you see like stuff like this. Like, so what I'm talking about, like, with how narrow is this distribution? These are all, these are all distributions. They're somewhat normal to some extent, but they're skewed in some direction. How flat is that? It's hard. Like, I'm trying to be not mathematical here. Like, how flat? Like, this is much flatter by the mean, and this is much narrower by the mean. So, for instance, on this one, if I just bring... Let's see. I don't even know where this goes. Poisson distribution. Sign into download. I don't want to sign in to download a full time, full whatever. I could, let's see. Yeah, I could, I could zoom in. Enough, I guess. So if you see here, like if, if someone has a distribution like this, like the first, like just a little bit off, like gets you much further down in whatever it is, in frequency, right? But, or a flatter medium. So for instance, uh, uh, someone like uh, uh, like a slap hitter in baseball or a, 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 go, a, a goal line back in football. Like if you're like someone that like, hey, they run the ball on like third and one or on the goal line or something like that, you would see the distribution look something like, like this right? It's very unlikely they're putting up 80 yards, but they may get five carries a game. So they put up like three to eight yards, like all the time, but like even 20 yards is way down. 
right? And 30 yards is even way or down. So it's a very narrow at the top. Yet someone that carries the ball 25 times, you're going to see a much flatter, much flat, like I would call this flat. It's not flat, but more smoother. I don't know how how else to say it non-mathematically. So understanding distributions, at least conceptually, I'm trying to not make it a math, like you got to plug in a formula. I know sports projections, that's what you should be doing, right? Right, the best and simplest option. Right, it's going to be the it's going to be the most directionally correct option. Just plug in the mean into a Poisson distribution, and there you go. There, there's, there's, there's the, there's the probability for it. But if you just think in terms of, well, I don't, I'm not sure about formulas or what number do I put in and whatever like that. Just think in your head of how narrow or how wide that by where the median is. Does that stat lie? Just conceptualize it. So pitching outs, right, are going to look much narrower like this. Strikeouts, if it's high stri- high number of strikeouts, it'll be much flatter. If we take a look at, like, yards, like, what's the difference if we have a, like, let's go, let's go to prize picks. Let's go to passing yards, for instance. We go to passing yards. Okay, I'm not I, the blitz doesn't even have stuff up yet. So here we have Joe Flacco at 22 225, whatever. We're making let's just say that our model has his mean at 245. Is the 20 yards worth it? What's the different what's his probability of putting up 225 versus 245 versus 205? Like something like that. Maybe very close. But if we had, let's say your model had uh, his mean projected, I mean, it wouldn't have, of 300. Like, you'd be you'd be taking out a loan for this. Right? But 20 yards may not be enough for to, to be minus 137. But 20 yards rushing definitely would be. Like, I, I think uh, if we take a look at the rushing yards. Okay, we have some rushing yards here. Right. So for instance, if you if you if you if the blitz or whatever model showed uh David Montgomery with only 45 yards rushing, like you'd be hammering. It's 20, it's still 20 yards, but 20 passing yards are much different than 20 rushing yards at this level. But let's say you had Jonathan Taylor at 107.5. So that's still 20 yards. How much is that worth compared to his 87.5? How often does he hit 107 versus 87? And that's what sports projections are saying by putting the mean into a Poisson distribution. So if this is off, if you go and like, let's say the blitz has mixed in at 79. Like if that was a plus 100, like if you got a no vig, if you went to FanDuel or whatever and you found a plus 100 at 74 and a half, like this, and you had it at 79, and you weren't paying a VIG, then yeah, you'd, you'd obviously bet it. But now that you're paying a VIG, how much is the VIG equal into rushing yards? Three, four for this? So how much of an edge do you really have on 79 rushing on seventy nine rushing yards? On a minus 110 line. Like you're, 
it would be like maybe two yards. You maybe you got two yards of edge. That's 79 on a regular sports book. But it's nowhere near a minus 137, right? So if it would if we had mixed it at 79 and this prop is 74 and a half for prize picks, we're gonna have to pick two of these and only get paid minus 137 for two of these. So we need to find something that is much more often than five five rushing yards for Joe Mixon. It could be it could be 15 passing yards for some guy that only has a 30 yard passing prop. Right, we look at passing props right here. I I I haven't looked at projections, so I'm just these are these are made up numbers. Like we go through here, and like I go through here, and like let's say uh, Jacoby Myers, for instance. Like if his projection was at like 68, like yeah, then yeah, he's, he's slamming this. That's way over minor. That's way that's way worth the with the 37 cents. But let's say his projection was 59 and a half or 60. Maybe not. The difference in in in, in his projection curve may not be worth it. That that 59. May not be, 59 is the median, 52 and a half may be at like the 44th percentile. And you need to get it down to like the 42nd percentile, 41st and a, and a half percentile. So how many receiving yards would you need for a 52 and a half to be off? Probably 12, for a prize picks an underdog. Probably 12 yards, right? So if you have it 12 yard more than 12 yards off in either direction, Maybe I, I have I have him only getting 36 as a mean. You'd probably be wrong, but then you'd be like, okay, now I'm now I'm taking the under. So it has to be significantly off. If you're going through and like, like, I'm gonna go through and I'm gonna be like, well, this was three yards off. I'm gonna take that. This is two yards off. It's like you're gonna lose money. Because you're paying too much of a vig for only to be beating these props by two yards. If it was plus 100, no VIG on a sports book, then you could then you could do that, right? And have like 0.8% edge. Yeah, and just have that add up over time. That's perfectly fine. But on these sites, you need to find minus 137s. And that's the, that, and that's the problem with these sites is that if you're not looking for minus 137s, the VIG here is, is immense, is immense. The hold here is nuts. But... They do, they do hang bad lines. They do hang bad lines all the time. And they hang bad lines enough that you can pair two together and be profitable plus EV because they're off by, by, by enough by that. But look how many props there are. I mean, look for NFL. They've already put up like three for NFL, but I mean, that will be on any day. Look, the strikeouts, I'm not even counting the first run stuff. Earn runs allowed, hits allowed. Then we have all the hitter, the hitter ones. And the hitter ones have different distributions, right? A lot of people go in and go, okay, oh, Freddie Freeman I have for uh, for 10 fantasy points, right? Or something like that, right? They go, oh, that's two points off. It's like, well, hitter distributions are different than pitcher distributions. So being two points off, like the difference between eight points and 10 points isn't that dramatic, right? Because we get a point, because that's, that's a Poisson distribution that looks more like, okay, let's see if I can find it. Like, like this, this red line, like that's more of a batter's Poisson distribution because they come up with zeros a lot, right? So like that mean of eight is like the difference between eight and 10 is very, very minimal. 
Just like the difference between zero and three is minimal. So if you have a if you have a projection of like uh, if you have a projection of a guy at like six and a half and they're posting a line of five and a half, five and a half and six and a half aren't that dramatically different. At least not so much, right? If you have six and a half and seven and, and you Jonathan India, you have at seven and a half points as a mean. You go, well, that's one full point off. I'm gonna go more. It's like not that's not one minus one thirty-seven. Jonathan India would have to have like a five. Right, you have him projected for seven and a half, but he would need to be a five, maybe not even four and a half, just because of the way that hitters' distributions are. So that's why you could look through some of these hitters and go, well, they're off by like two points. All of them are off by two points, and that's also a sign. Think, 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 just from an Occam's Razor standpoint, that these companies like Prize Picks and Underdog, like they they know what they're doing to some extent. Right on, on overall, they may miss. Now they may have one percent of stuff that you could find today that is significantly enough off that you could be profitable doing it. But ninety nine percent of their stuff is efficient or within the minus one thirty seven range. Okay, so let's say your projections. You're like, oh, all these all these hitters are two points off. Do you really think they're hanging all? Do you really think all these numbers are wrong? Or that you're just cal- not calculating the distribution properly. Or you're not considering it. You're not conceptualizing it correctly. These are all two points off. And you're like, oh, I got to bet all of them. Like, no, you're probably wrong. But you could still go through some hitters. I think, uh, like, uh, where's Soto? I think the so- like Soto over six and a half, I think this is significant. I think his projection is like nine points something or other. And it's like three points off at six and a half. This is this is probably this is probably a minus minus one forty five or something in a implied probability. And I think Yelich also it was the only two on Prize Picks that I have right over six. I would have preferred Soto be at six and Yelich at five and a half, but it's still enough. Prize Picks hitter hitter fantasy score ones are typically typically you can't find anything right enough. And even that Soto and Yelich ones aren't very good. Like I, I found them just so I could pair them with Carrasco and Lopez. It was like one of those things where it's like Lopez and Carrasco ones. I'm just looking at my sheet over here. We're so plus EV that I just like, I need to find something that is at least even close to plus EV just so I could make more two picks. So that's why I found those two hitters. I'm like, okay, those are the two most off, but typically this hitter distributions like by by that mean are just so condensed there that like two points in one direction is never going to get you to to minus one thirty seven most of the time, but sometimes they have bad lines. Sometimes they post up four and a halfs that should be fives. Sometimes they put sometimes they post up nine and a halfs that should be eight that should be like eights, and then you could do the under. But a lot of times these these hitter fantasy the hitter ones on uh, on price picks are not are not particularly good. Only because of the minus 137. If they were an actual sports book and you could bet these at minus 110s or whatever, then then it could be worth it. But at minus 137, you're just never going to get far enough away from the mean for it to be off enough for it to be profitable to play. So that's why, like, these are the last things I look at are the hitter ones. Total bases, like, stuff like that. Total bases a little bit more. Sometimes, sometimes I hang a bad one. 
uh, depending, but most of the time they do. Most of the time they're fine. Same for RBIs and runs. Right? Sometimes they post one that that is way over or way under, but it's 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 quite rare. So I, I don't focus on the hitting ones as much as the pitching ones. Why? Because the pitching ones are much more normally distributed. Right? So it's much easier to determine how far away from the mean you need to get to be profitable. So a little bit of a math lesson today, right? I can always tell when I'm doing a math lesson when uh, I look in the YouTube chat and people just don't have any questions because I'm concerned that it's like, oh, up, oh, math lesson time, time for me to fall asleep, right? Time for me to fall asleep. Where are the plays? Where are the picks? Welcome to DFS. Welcome to sports betting. If you look, look at actual top sharp, Sports bettors, professionals, this, they're dealing more with this type of stuff that you see on the screen than they are with watching watching the actual games, okay? Just use the data and just pick off numbers, arbitrage numbers, right? Like I could go, I go to under, I could go on underdog right now and bet uh, and make picks with the Lopez under six and a half and try to middle it at six if I wanted to. Right. You could do something like if you wanted, that's arbitrage there. You could, but not when the projection is so far. I mean, I just I'd, I'd rather just I'd rather keep my five and a half and just let it ride. I'm not going to bother even trying to middle. It's just so far off unless it moves another one. If, it, if Lopez moves to seven and a half. Then maybe maybe it's worth it. I, I would have to take a look at the distribution and see how often does six and seven come up. And see if they'd be more worth it to. Use it on underdog. The problem with all these sites, though, with if you try to like middle, is that you still have to pair it with something else. It's not like normal prop betting where you could just bet on the prop and so be it. So minus one ten, minus one twenty, plus one twenty, like something like that. Here, I still have to would have to pair the under the Lopez under seven and a half with something else also, right? And if I can't find a plus EV bet on the other side, I mean it's all dependent on that. So that's why like finding those middle opportunities, unless you can find two of them at the same time, right? And do them both together. I mean, like it's, it's, it's rarely worth it. Uh, and bot says interesting stuff. I stopped playing prize picks when I saw you post something in the bat discord about it, probably not being long-term profitable. Well, if you don't know what you're doing, it isn't right. I 99% of the stuff on prize picks and underdog are absurdly absurdly vague right being that they're fixed parlays but look i went through i found i found a bunch that are off every i could find a bunch that are off every day but the bunch that are off every day is still like one percent of what's on their site so understand that it's like if you're gonna go in if you're gonna oh i'm gonna play adrian sampson under like that could be a plus 130 like this could be a plus 130 this could be i mean any if you don't know what you're doing, you don't realize, right? If everyone's like, oh, a Javier under, right? Because I got him at seven. And you may not realize that this under six, when priced on an actual sports book, maybe a plus 110. Like you're looking for minus 137s and now you're actively playing something that is actually not favored. Like you could really run into stuff like that if you don't know what you're doing. So if you know what you're doing and you could find something and then not get limited, like you're fine, but on average, I'd say most people are significantly unprofitable on prize picks. Significantly. 
Enbot uh, said, "I'm not. I'm. I was not going in depth like you. I was just doing fantasy points that were off plus or minus about six fantasy points. Yes, but it also depends on on how many fantasy points that is. Like if someone has an eighteen and a half fantasy point prop on Prize Picks, maybe twenty three and a half and twenty two and a half may be enough. Four may be over because at that range, like as long as he doesn't give up any runs, he doesn't even need. He could give up runs and they get a ton of strikeouts." Or you get no strikeouts and not give up a ton of runs and get the six, the the quality start and the win, right? There's a lot more ways at the low range of fantasy points for the for the difference between 18 and a half and 22 and a half to be fairly dramatic enough, right? But at the high end, maybe not so much, right? 36 and 40 are not that dramatically different from one another, as opposed to 18 and 22. Right. I don't, I'm not even sure if I would do 18 and I would, if it was 18 and 22, it probably is not a minus 137 anyway, but it would be close, be close enough. So that's why that Gibson one that was like seven points off, like that one I did. But the fact that it didn't move, I never, I never like it when my, my lines don't move. Right. So I put everything down on the sheet. You can see here. Right. And anytime something moves, I just underline, I just underline the, the prop. Basically, that tells me. Uh, it's no, there's no longer value there. So anytime at the end of the day, at the end of the day on my sheet, when I do this, the more underlines I see, it doesn't matter what the results are, right? I'm just looking at, I want to be able to underline as many props on these sites that I have. That's it. And the days that I have the most underlines should be the most profitable days on average. And that's all I'm looking for. If, if by the time, if Gibson starts pitching, right, what, what time is the game? Who knows? 6.45. If at 6.45, if it's still at four strikeouts and 21 and a half fantasy points, that means it's not underlined. And I, I'm, that's, that's not closing line value. I'd rather, I'd rather have put that money towards more Lopez and Javier and Cortez and Carrasco and, stripling unders i would have rather put everything in there and knowing the bat how much the bat typically likes gibson more than the market i could have known that beforehand also i mean i did know that beforehand so i knew when i saw the gibson stuff look good that i'm going to tone it down a little because i, I i'm because i've been doing this so i know like, okay gibson's here oh, manoa's manoa's on the slate the bat hates manoa Right. Okay. So these Manoa unders, I, I'm going to want the unders on all of these. Right. But how much so? Cause they don't, cause what ends up happening is you do the under and then not, and it doesn't move. It's like my old goal is to bet the number before early before it moves. That's it. That is the key to sports betting. If you can bet a number before it moves, you win in the long run. So the more bets that you can make and the higher percentage of time that it moves and the bigger that it moves, you win in the long run. That is, that is the sports betting game. That is, that is just like DFS is a game. That's the sports betting game. So if you focus on that and less on, well, I think this guy is going to do well. It's like, like, dude, just all you have to do is beat the number. I don't care how you beat the number. Even if you don't do it by looking at projection model, even if you're doing it by just like, oh, I think he's going to do well. Like, oh, I should bet this. I should bet that. You should judge your sports betting through how often does do you, do you get closing line value? That's it. That's it. Welcome to the game. That's it. And Bot asks, do you stick with two choices? Do you ever go up to the four or the five choice wages? No, I only do twos. 
or three. I do twos on price picks, and I do I try to do threes on underdog because threes pay six to one rather than 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 uh, five to one on price picks. So I try to make three combos, which is a little bit tougher. You have to round robin them a little bit more. I round robin everything. Okay, I want the lowest variance for the most edge. Okay, so it's like if I if I find five, if I find like I. I'll find like right here. I'll let's say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. I got fourteen props on prize picks. Okay. I have every combo of those fourteen. Until obviously not every combo. Once the once the line moved, I stopped using that prop. So like once uh court once uh Carrasco moved from under six K, I didn't make five and a half. So I didn't make fives. I didn't make those. Right? I just stopped. But like out of those 14, like the first one with the second one, the first one with the third one, the first one with the fourth one, the first for like 20, 30 bucks each. Right. So I'm just round robining them. Right. Because as long if I could get 60% of them right, I profit. That's all I'm looking for over time. I don't want to have to worry about, well, here I have five pick and a five pick and this one was in that one. You could round robin five picks if you want or four pick or any of them. You could round robin anything, but it's very hard. Remember, there's no like upload. I can't do this in Excel and then upload it to a site. So I have to manually put in all the combos. Imagine keeping track of that for five, for five combinations. A, B, you know, one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, six. One, two, three, four, seven. One, two, three, four, eight. One, two, three, four, nine. One, two, three, four, ten. One, two, three, four, eleven to, to, to 14. One, two, three, five, six. One, two, three, five, seven. One, two, three, five. I mean, like, like, dude, you know how long that's going to take and how, how much you're going to track to do all five picks by, by round robining them all? It's much easier with the two picks, right? You just go, you know, one to two, one to three, one to four, one to five. You just keep on going right down in a row. I do it pretty, pretty damn fast. And I always start with the highest edge ones. So once I saw the Lopez and Carrasco ones were so far off, like I'm just jamming those first. Right, so I, I want to get it before the line moves, and then I start finding ones that are have a little bit less of an edge, and then I start. Oh, I found one. Okay, pair it with Lopez, pair it with Carrasco. Move on. Next one, pair it with Lopez, pair it with Carrasco, and then pair it with the other one that I found. Next one, pair it with this, pair it with that, pair it with the other two. Okay, next one, pair it with, and then next thing you know, you have a list. Next thing you're down to the fourteenth one, and you oh, I added the fourteenth one, and now I'm making thirteen combinations of twenty bucks each for for all of them. Right or something like ten bucks each, whatever, whatever it is that 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 you do. Like that's much harder to do that in five. Like especially, you may not know what all of your your the props are going to be. Right? Do I want to wait until I find five in order to make a five? No, dude, I'm slamming this Lopez Carrasco one like immediately. Right? I'm doing a two pick, no problem. Boom. The whole point is to have the least amount of variance for the most edge. Right, you don't want to have to be stuck going. Well, I didn't get the right guy in the right lineup and the right thing and the right whatever. So it's so much easier to just like nope. It doesn't matter to me which one is with anything. They're all two picks. So out of my fourteen props, obviously I put more money down on the Lopez and Carrasco ones, uh, but on average, like if I could get eight out of fourteen, nine out of fourteen, which if I'm getting. 58.5% if I'm doing them right. Like I should. 
I make money. If I get all 14, I have a great, I have a great day. If I have 13, I mean, even, even 10 out of 14, I have a great day. Right. But it's also rare that like, I'm only going to get two right. Right. So it's like, I may have two or $3,000 with all these combinations in play. Would it be as, as, as rare as it would be, like just do the computation of if you, if you have an implied probability of 60% of all, on all your props, how often you will get all 14 wrong. It like it's very minuscule. You're more likely to be somewhere bulk wise in like the seven to eleven range. That'll be a bulk of them. You get seven out of fourteen, you lose a little bit of money. Bad day would be getting like four or five. It's like okay, that was a bad day, right? But you're gonna get a lot of ones where you get eight nine out of out of fourteen. I mean, I, I'm saying fourteen because I have fourteen currently. So your swings aren't going to be as wide. And as long as you're beating the closing line and the lines are moving in your favor, like, dude, just, just, there you go. You, you're done. You're there. Right. And you put money down and most likely you're not, you, you could, you could play, you know, a good 10, 15% of your bankroll on, on, on for this type of thing. If you're round robining in that fashion. Because the risk, the risk of ruin has gone extremely down. And even on average, if you just put it into like the Kelly formula with a 60% edge, it's actually going to tell you to bet even more, right? So you can say, oh, 10 to 15%. That sounds like a lot, right? Especially coming from me, who is a nit. But it really isn't. If you if you do the Kelly calculation, it, it really is. It's going to want it's going to want you to to put in like 40% of your bankroll on a given day. If you do, if you use the Kelly, if you use full Kelly, that's, that's what ends up happening. I, I, that I'm not willing to do, right? It's not like I have a bankroll necessarily set aside for sports betting for this type of stuff, but I kind of do. It's not the major part. I, most of, most of my bankroll is devoted to DFS. So it's like, okay, maybe, 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 maybe I got, maybe I got 20, 20 K like mentally in my head. 20 K is my sports betting stuff, right? Or pick stuff or whatever. So I don't bet on sports because I'm in, I'm not in a legal state and I'm not dealing with the goddamn offshores and having to find accounts and do proxies and everything. So it's like, oh, prize picks, underdog. Okay, do that, right? Find the thing that's legal. Why not? Javada Kimi says, how about esports prize picks? I don't know. I don't know anything about esports. I assume, I assume if you have projections and you have sharp book lines to go by, you could, you could find stuff. But no, I, I I know nothing about esports, so I I don't do esports. I don't know it. Is there an edge in in League of Legends? Yes, there probably is. There's an edge everywhere. CS:GO or what? Yeah, sure. If you know it, is there an edge in tennis? Sure. Is Tyro Daniel going to have twenty two point five games? Someone has projections, right? I don't. So that you can find edges everywhere. You don't have to get all the edges. Like what people ask me, it's like why don't why don't you play college football DFS? Said, I don't really know college football. I said, well, why, why don't you learn college football? Because there's, there's an edge there. I said, there's an edge in every sport. There's an edge in everything. I'm only one person, though. I'm only one person. So what am I supposed to do? Play 14 sports at the same time in 28 slates and across uh, 17 sites? Because people say, oh, have you ever heard of this site? There's a lot of edge there. I've never even heard of it. It's like, well, you should play there. And I look into it. And it's like, oh, well, I could. How much is this worth it compared to other things? And like, I'm only one person. There's a 2% edge there. Why aren't you there? 
because there's a five percent here edge here that I'm focused on. Right? That's the only difference. I'm not saying that there isn't an edge there. It's just that I'm only one person. I wish I could do everything all at once, but I can't. Okay, hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. It was Teaching Tuesday to some extent, right? Teaching Tuesday. We taught, we, we learned. I think we learned a little bit. I tried not to give like a formula-based math lesson. It's hard. It's, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's like, I just want to show you the formula and just plug it in, right? And you'd be like, I don't get any of that. What, what is the P? What, is the, what does this U symbol mean? What is this U? Like, I, I don't want to do that. Because then people just like, I, I ain't, no, I'm sorry. So it's like conceptually. Can you conceptually think about it? Uh, so give me those thummy thumbs uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know what we'll do tomorrow. Wednesday, we got we got NFL stuff, right? It's always going to be NFL, MLB, NBA. Well, eventually going to have NBA back. That's going to be a nulser, right? Who's in, who's out, doesn't matter. 655, change all your lineups. Can't wait for that, right? Can't really wait for NBA. Uh as always, uh, we got Grinders Live later for the for the MLB slate with Dean and the guys. Crunch time after that, presented by FanDuel. There's weather going on. Roth will be talking about it. Uh, we got live locks on the Scores and Odds channel. And we got all the NFL content you could ever want. Sign up for Roto-Grinders Premium. Get the NFL package if you want, just the NFL package. Or get the combo premium, right? Get all the sports all at once and find me in the Discord. Say, hey. I was talking to someone this morning. I answered, I answered, you know, I'm, I'm more accessible there than waiting to be on the show. And uh, also tonight is another Discord coach, coaching call. So I'll be on Zoom if you're part of the RG Discord. And uh, you can get on and you get, basically you get private coaching. I'm on Zoom and I'll answer anything. It's never recorded. So you got to be there and uh, and take advantage of that. Sign up for Roto Grinders. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And I'll see you guys tomorrow answering your DFS strategy questions yeah, that I normally do on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>